podcast where we don't do little quips anymore, Dean. I know. I mean, one of the best things COVID has brought about in the world is a change to our format, which means that we don't need to do these stupid quips. Yes, well, because we haven't actually watched the movie yet, so it's hard to come up with a, a quip on the fly when you don't really remember or even know anything about this movie because uh, you haven't seen this in a... a it's know, been a while. Yeah, a several several years, so... You know, that's how it's going to be from now on. You're not going to get any quips at the start, which is, you know, a breath of fresh air for Dean because it takes him usually 15 minutes before we start recording to think of something because he couldn't do it pr- days prior. You you make out like it's not like I haven't tried. I would spend nights, Hendo, <laughs> nights staying up trying to think of something. And then you just look up the quotes and you're like, I'll just say that and make it in reference to the podcast. I mean, you were always much more into the quips than I was. Be that as it may. They are gone now. Now, we are going to get into our reaction of One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. If you want to see that reaction, head on over to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash the movie journey. Or if you want to check out the full-length commentary of this video reaction, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the movie journey. And a big thank you to all of our patrons for supporting the show. Yeah, thanks a lot, patrons. I must say, patreon.com slash the movie journey is one of my favorite places to go, Hendo. Well, look at you plugging the show. It's bound to happen eventually. <laughs> all right, we are going to get into watching this movie and we'll be back on the other side with our review of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. All right, Dean, we just finished watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes, we did, Hendo. Yes, it was uh, certainly a journey, I must say. How Sit- so? Sitting here watching like a this, movie journey? this movie with you is certainly a journey. I won't be saying that every single time we do a top 250. Why not? You should. It should be your thing. No, you can you need a thing. Time. You don't... I mean... <laughs> I have too many things. Anything. What's your things? Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, let's get into some trivia, Dean. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a 1975 American psychological comedy drama film. Comedy. I mean, there were a couple of laughs in there. Not one. Oh, I'd go back over. Play, you know, play the tape. I think. I think there were some laughs. Uh, directed by Milos Forman, based on the 1962 novel by the same name by Ken Kesey. The film stars Jack Nicholson as Randall McMurphy, a new patient at a mental institution, and features a supporting cast of Louise Fletcher, Will Sampson, Danny DeVito, Sidney Lassick, William Redfield, as well as Christopher Lloyd and Brad Dourif in their film debuts. Wow, I did not know that. Directed by Milos Forman, like I said, who has two Academy Award wins for Best Director for this film and another film we've done a breakdown on, Armadeus. Of course. As well as another nomination for Best Director for The People vs. Larry Flint. Wow, that got a Best Director nomination. It did, it did. It's crazy. Obviously, you don't remember our conversation during Armadeus where I would have bought this up. No. No, I not believe you didn't. I think I did. <laughs> Cinematography by Haskell Wexler and Bill Butler. Now, Haskell Wexler has two Academy Award wins for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and Bound for Glory. He also has three other nominations for this film, Matawan and Blaze. I don't know. I mean, I've never heard of Matawan, Blaze or Bound for Glory and I have heard of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Have you seen any of them, Hendo? Uh, no, I know. I'm exactly the same as yep. you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I say Haskell Wexler and Bill Butler because Haskell, West- Haskell Wexler hmm. was fired as cinematographer and replaced by Bill Butler. Foreman said he had terminated Wexler's service over artistic differences. Both Wexler and Butler were received. Both Wexler and Butler received Academy Award nominations for Best Cinematography. Wexler said that there was about one or two minutes of the film that he didn't shoot. Uh, 
well done, Butler. Yeah, for coming in and shooting uh, two minutes of the movie and getting a, a nomination. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, am I going to do all the trivia here or do you want to You, wanna yeah, you ca- take this in? one, I'll take the next one. Okay, sure. Music by Jack Nietzsche. That's why I didn't want that one. You don't know like, how to say Nietzsche. 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 Uh, who has two nominations for this film and An Officer and a Gentleman and one win for a Best Original Song for An Officer and a Gentleman for Up Where We Belong. Up Where We Belong. No. Oh. Love lift us up where we belong. Oh, I know that one. Doom, doom, doom. Yep. Yes. All right. Kirk Douglas, who had played McMurphy in the 1963 Broadway stage play, had purchased the film rights to the story and tried for a decade to bring it to the big screen, Mm. but was unable to find a studio willing to make it with him. Eventually, I bet he wanted to be McMurphy. And that was it. No one wanted him. Eventually, he sold the rights to his son, Michael Douglas, who succeeded in getting the film produced, but failed in getting the starring role. I don't think Michael Douglas wanted the lead role. Like you said, I don't know if you looked down or not, but uh, Kirk Douglas couldn't play the role of McMurphy because he was considered too old at the age of 60 to play him by that time. Of course. Gene Hackman, James Kahn, Marlon Brando and Burt Reynolds were also considered, Mm. but all four turned down the role, which ultimately went to then 38-year-old Jack Nicholson. What do you think of any of those other actors there? Uh, Gene Hackman, too serious. James Kahn... Not good enough. Yeah. Marlon Brando, too serious. Burt Reynolds. I mean, if I had to pick any, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, would, yeah. Would, yeah. Yeah. That's probably the uh, the best option there. Uh, production was delayed for about six months, though, after they cast Jack Nicholson because of his schedule. Douglas later stated in an interview that that turned out to be a great blessing. It gave us a chance to get the ensemble right. Look at that. Gave me a little bit of extra time. Good on him. Milos Foreman had considered Shelley Duvall for the role of Candy. Shelley Duvall is Candy. Sorry, but isn't Candy meant to be appealing sexually? (laughs) What do you think of that? I I would not have liked that, for that to happen. No. But while screening thieves- You'd probably pity um, Billy more. (laughs) <laughs> it definitely, he definitely would have been going against his will there. <laughs> wow, Endo. Shade for Shelley Duvall. But while screening thieves like us to see if Shelley Duvall was right for the role, Milos Foreman became interested in Louise Fletcher, who had a supporting role in that movie for the role of Nurse Ratched. It took four or five meetings over a year, during which the role was offered to other actresses such as Jean Moreau, Colleen Durwurst, Ellen Burstyn, Angela Lansbury, Anne Bancroft, and Geraldine Page for Fletcher to secure the role of Nurse Ratched. Now, what do you think of those actresses um, for Nurse, Rat- Nurse Ratched? Anne Bancroft, I could say would be pretty good. Who is Anne Bancroft? Isn't she the... What do you mean, isn't she? I'm asking you, like, you might not, like, she, I feel like she plays the mum in The Graduate, Mrs. Robertson. Oh, is that her name? I think it is. Uh, don't know. Angela Lansbury, is she the um, bed knobs and broomsticks? Murder She Wrote? Bird? Yeah, she is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No. Oh, I mean, fine. Alan Burston, you know. I don't know the other ones. You don't know Alan Burston? No, I, after you said her name, I then said I don't know the other actresses. You don't know Colleen Duhust? Do you? It's Dewhurst, not oh. Dewhurst. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, Will Sampson, who played Chief Bromden, otherwise known as Chief, yes, uh, was a park ranger in Oregon near where the movie was filmed. Mm. <laughs> the final footage was actually him going back to work. <laughs> 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 he was selected for the part because he was the only Native American the casting department could find who matched the character's incredible size. There you go. It makes sense. It does. <laughs> to be fair, that fact, you, that trivia you just said was 
<laughs> you said it so convincingly like it was part of the trivia you were reading. He was not running back to work at the end of the movie. <laughs> Guys, I'm late for work. <laughs> get this, get this footage. <sighs> All right. Filming lasted three months, taking place on location at Oregon State Hospital. Oh, it was filmed at a hospital. It That's was. Good. Prior to commencement of filming, there was a week of rehearsals during which the actors watched the patients in their daily routine at a group therapy. Jack Nicholson and Louise Fletcher also witnessed electroconvulsive therapy being performed on a patient. With the exception of the fishing segment, which was filmed last, the film was shot in sequence. Hmm. Good. So he actually was going back to work because the last shot of the movie. He knew he was done after that. Don't try and take (laughs) your glorious joke. (laughs) My gold and turn it into your bronze, all right? It's sad. (laughs) The cast and crew were concerned about the behaviour of Sidney Lassick. Who's Sidney Lassick? Man, I just watched the movie and I've already forgotten his character's name. Uh, the, The guy with the glasses. Oh, Chaswick. That's it, Chaswick, yeah. He exhibited increasingly unpredictable and emotionally erratic behaviour during his time in character, a pattern that culminated in a- Wait, what do you mean during his time in character? He was in character. That's what he was meant to do. He was very method. A pattern that culminated in a tearful outburst during his observation of the final scene between McMurphy and the Chief. Lassick became so overwhelmed during the scene that he had to be removed from set. Good thing he wasn't in the scene. Wow. I mean, talk about uh, getting right into the role there. Hmm. As Foreman did not allow the actors to see the day's filming, so very nice, <laughs> this led to the cast losing confidence in him, while Nicholson also began to wonder about his performance. Douglas convinced Foreman to show Nicholson something, which he did, and restored the actor's confidence. Wow. There that, you go. That made the cut. Thank, what? You. Thank the pe- you for that trivia. The people lost confidence in Milos Foreman because they wouldn't, sh- they wouldn't show them any footage. How about... They worry about the acting, <laughs> and Milos worries about the directing. Yeah, but don't you feel like if you're acting and you see your performance, you can say, okay, maybe I could do that a bit better, or you know, maybe I am doing you know better than I thought I was. Well, it's up for the boss to decide. Many extras were authentic mental patients. I'm assuming that's the uh, the other nine patients in the background. I mean, there was a lot of extras in the scenes where they go and before the electroconvulsive therapy. Ah, uh, yeah, they do. You know, cut yeah. back to a lot of them. There. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. A nerve on this guy. Louise Fletcher was so upset with the fact that the other cast members could laugh and be happy, while she had to be so cold and heartless, that near the end of production, she removed her dress and stood in only her panties to prove to prove to the cast members she was not a cold-hearted monster. I mean, pretty sure cold-hearted monsters still. Get undressed at some point, or are in they front all, of everyone, or are they all never nudes. Well, she didn't even get nude. She had her panties on. Yeah, do you reckon that you includes? Monster. Do you reckon that includes bra? Yes. Or would it be bra and panties? Ooh. <laughs> I don't whatever know. You, whatever I would, you want to imagine, I would Dean. not include a bra if I said you she, think she took there. her bra off. I mean, it, yeah, sure. Why not? She's like, hey, I could laugh too. Maybe she wanted the others to stop laughing, which is why she took her bra off. <laughs> <laughs> Man, not so funny now, is it? <laughs> Uh, Louise Fletcher was so disturbed by her performance that she couldn't watch the film for years until she did. (laughs) The production went over the initial budget of $2 million and overscheduled, but Zaint, who was personally financing the movie, was able to come up with the difference by borrowing against his own company, Fantasy Records. The total production budget came to a whopping $4.4 million. And grossed... Worldwide, $163 million. Wow. That is insane. It was the second highest grossing film released in 1975. What was the highest? I don't know. But because this was released at the back end of the year, most of its profits actually came in 1976 
and actually was the highest grossing film for 1976. Really? Second yes. in 75 and highest in 96. And it was the seventh highest grossing film of all time at that time. Wow. Can you imagine a film like this cracking the top 10 now? Never. Never. Jack Nicholson took a percentage of the profits. <laughs> of course he did. My God, this guy's savvy. He knows how to get that money, doesn't he? Yep. Uh, author Ken Casey, or Casey, whatever you want to say, was so bitter about the way the filmmakers were butchering his story that he vowed never to watch the completed film and even sued the movie producers because it wasn't shown from Chief Bromden's perspective, as the novel is. Interesting. You certainly would lose the twist that Chief is uh, more cognitive than he leads on. Is the first lines, I'm Chief Bromden. I can walk and talk, but people don't think I can. <laughs> the end. <laughs> What? <laughs> and in 1993, this film was deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant by the United States Library of Congress and selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. Mm. Mm, it's one of those films. It is. You know what else this film is, Hendo? It's one of those films that won the Big Five at the Oscars. Yes. It won Best Picture, Best Actor for Jack Nicholson, obviously, Best Actress for Louise Fletcher, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Now, before you look at the next line of trivia, can you tell me the other two films? I know you can tell me one, but can you tell me the second film? Is it The Silence of the Lambs? Yes. And It Happened One Night. You saw the trivia. <laughs> See, I can't, I can't win with you. No, because you don't even know what that movie is. Who stars in It Happened That Night? Um, it was, uh, I don't know, it's so hard. See, because it it's called It was nah. tough for me to think that far back. No, you're back. wrong, because it's called It Happened One Night, not It Happened That Night. See, three I off. I said One Night. Yeah, but I said that night. You should be like, no, it's one night. You didn't even get it right. But it got four other nominations that year. It was nominated for Best Original Score, the Best Dramatic Score, apparently. I wonder if there's like a Best Comedic Score. I don't know, back in 75. <laughs> uh, it lost to Jaws. No, that makes sense. Jaws is awesome. For what? Oh, the music. Yeah. Yes. It lost Best Film Editing to Jaws. Okay. It lost Best Cinematography to Barry Lyndon. Nice. Makes sense. And Brad Dourif lost Best Supporting Actor to George Burns that from The Sunshine Boys. It's one of your favourites, is it? So meant to me. I mean, you just know it so quickly. Run Tomatoes. Oh, you're doing the scores now, are you? Critics have this at a high 94. Yes. And they say the on-screen battle between Jack Nicholson and Louise Fletcher serves as a personal microcosm microcosm of the culture wars of the 1970s and testament to the director's vision that the film retains its power more than three, five decades later. Canning when this was done. <laughs> not used to this trivia, are you, reading all this out? Mate, we're all learning here. Do you want me to finish it off? Okay, Rotten Tomatoes audience think it's better than mm. the critics. 96%. Mm. Metacritic give it a high for Metacritic, 84. Very high. Letterboxd give it a 4.3. But let's take a look at the history of One Flavor of the Cuckoo's Nest in the IMDb Top 250. Do you actually know where this sits on the Top 250? 19. Am I close, Hendo? I think you're around, around the right yeah, mark I, there. I, I believe it's very high. Oh! 18. Very close. All right, this debuted on the very first list, the 26th of April, 1996. At number, looks like 15 there, I believe. Yep, number 15 it debuted. The highest it ever got to was in mid-1999 at number six. Wow. Picked up to number six. And since then, I mean, this looks like an up and down graph, but really it's between 16, uh, sorry, it's, it's really between six and its current rank, 18, mm. with an 8.6 over 960,000 votes. Yeah. So it's always been up there, really high. Yeah. Yeah, it has actually had no change in the last year, saying in the 18th spot. Oh, good for Cuckoo. Good for Cuckoo indeed, Dean. But uh, 
Is Cuckoo good for you? What do you think of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah, I think One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a very powerful film. Mm-hmm. I think that the performance from Jack Nicholson is really good. It's it's hard because we've seen Nicholson in a lot now and he's obviously doing his Nicholson thing. Yeah. But I still think he does it really, really well. Um, Nurse Ratched, you know, she won Best Actress. Should she have? I don't know. I don't know what else was up that year. She's she's really good in it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say she's amazing, but I think she's very- For the role, for the very small role that she has, and I don't mean role as in uh, screen time, I mean range. This character yeah. is not given- Massive amounts of range. I understand a lot of her emotions are being shown behind that cold exterior. And don't get me wrong, she does it really, really well. Yeah. Um, I think the relationship between them is great. But I think, I mean, is this the definitive, you know, mental institution movie? It's got to be. I think it has to be. It's amazing. Yeah. This this film is really, really, really good. Like, it's depiction of life inside a place like this, having no experience with places like this. I think is fascinating. It's so interesting. Because they don't treat... I mean, I mean, they do to a degree, but a lot of the time, they're just... These patients are just walking around, just hanging out, smoking, mm. playing cards. And the revelation mm. that most of them are there of their own free will... Yep. I think is, you know, years ahead of its time oh. in regards to people actually looking after their own mental health. Absolutely. What, what other, like, mental institution movies, like, are near this movie? Can you think of any off the top of your head? Uh, Girl Interrupted. Okay, I haven't seen that. Oh, really? Yeah. Any others? I mean, I feel like you put me on the spot and mm-hmm. I gave you a very good answer. Okay. Can you think of any, Hendo? Any at all? I mean, Sarah Connor's in one in Terminator 2, so I'll say that. That's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Look, from what you said in your brief summary there- <laughs> hey, I, I hadn't I, finished. I, I agree. I agree with what you said. I think that the the movie as a whole is a very a very- a very deep look into not just um, a, a mental facility, but a man who- Not just a man. A Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> who is- He's conflicted with the way he, he wants to act here. Like, you see him through multiple times through this film, that he can just- He, he has multiple opportunities to leave. To He escapes several times. Even, even the first time he escapes, when he gets on the bus. Yep. He could have just walked. Yep. He could have left there, but yep. he chose to get on a bus- wait for his new friends and take them out for a great time, knowing knowing that he was going to get caught and taken back. Yep. And he was okay with that because it meant that he could give these people a good time. And himself, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he took Candy along too. Poor Candy, man, that scene where she is just given to Billy. Whew, that was... That was <laughs> you don't see that in a film now. No, you don't. Uh, she wasn't saying no. No. But the assumption that... She wouldn't get a say at all. Is troubling. Yeah, I think I think the character of Randall here is is definitely very complex, and you see his struggles, definitely. like as he wants to he wants to show these guys a good time. He wants to show them that there's more to life than you know being in this place. Like he's like he's genuinely mortified when he finds out that they're just there voluntarily. He's like, mm. just get out into the world and experience life. Especially like, Billy. He's yeah, like, exactly. Jesus, you're a young man. Like- yep. Get out there. And I love when he's just like, like the people walking on the street, they're all, you know, as crazy as you guys. Like, yep. you don't need to be here. But, but he also has his demons too. But he he comes off, like, he's in there for a reason. He's been in prison for, you know, you know wrongdoings. But he definitely comes off as a- Statutory rape. Yeah. Definitely assault. comes off as a sincere guy who is just there to give these guys a breath of life. To you know, have a good time. 
I mean, the impact that he has on all these people here. It's life-changing. It's massive. Yeah. And not just Chief, but all of them. Like, he shows them so much joy in their lives that, like, yes, they have their routine. And, like, I understand where Nurse Ratched and the hospital staff are coming from, where they're trying to look after these people. Okay, now, obviously, the, you know. The situation with Billy. No, I mean, obviously, the electroconvulsive therapy as the a form lo- the of lobotomy. punishment. And the lobotomy, as a form of punishment, yeah. is not looking after them. Do you think the lobotomy was a form of punishment or it was the- yes. No, or if it was the final straw. Because you know, there's a lot of conversations about the movie of, is is Randall sick? Is he crazy? It, when he, when he the- gets his violent tendencies and nearly kills someone, is that the, the final straw of all these doctors and that to say, he needs to be lobotomized? He is a dangerous threat to society. And because he's not in prison now and he's in this place, that's the answer. It's not a, oh, you're a bad boy, you're going to cut your brain out. I mean, you don't, isn't it? I feel like that's the final straw. Like they, they, They're contemplating- Because he's, he's strangled Ratchet. Yeah. He's shown these physical violent tendencies mm. and there's no coming back from that. Like a, a little electric shock is like a slap on the wrist at that point. It's a tough punishment. I mean, they're basically killing him. Yeah. And they, sent, they, they do. Like he can't do anything at that point. Hmm. And that's essentially why Chief does what he does. He's like, you can't live like this. I'm not going to leave you here like this. I tell you, Ed, Chief says, um, you're coming with me, and then immediately kills him. I was like, oh, my God, is Chief going to off himself? Man, I, I that was honestly, insane. Oh, man. Would have been what? <laughs> you, I didn't think of it like that at all. Wow. <laughs> have you learned nothing, Ed? <laughs> yeah, Look, no. I've, I've, God, can you imagine if they went down that route for an ending? Would it, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> How good is the supporting cast overall oh, in this film? My God, so many memorable characters in this one. Jan- Danny DeVito, man, Danny DeVito is As awesome. Martini is so good. Christopher Lloyd is—he's a bit one note. He's very angry in this film. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Like, he's very like, one like, note. I, I'm, clearly, I know him as Doc Brown, and this is like a. A very different role for him as just a guy who's just very uh, screamy and shouty all movie. But even Hardwick and Cheswick, Billy Cheswick, the guy from uh, Amadeus. <laughs> um, get off my train! Yeah, yeah. Scatman? No, not Scatman. Scatman. Um, Scatman was good. It was fine. <laughs> um, no, I, I agree. The supporting cast, uh, especially these group therapy sessions, are just just so entertaining. And the script as well is very very good. Like. Like you said, they're having group therapy sessions and you're so engaged with what they're talking about and the conversation that they're having. Mm. And you can see the different characters like lighting up at different points and no one is ever overlapping each other. Like some people do talk over each other, but it's not in that it's not in that way where you can't oh, understand what's hard going on. on. How good was hard on? Hard on, you still calling that I don't think he I don't think he likes to be called hard on. Harding. Yeah. Like those many conversations about uh his wife and potentially cheating on him and And so, Ratchet just yeah. repeatedly going back to it. Just, like and, the next day, like Right, guys. Yep, we let's didn't go back finish to talking about how Harding, uh, you know, can't fulfill his wife's needs sexually. And you got Randall sitting there like, "What is going on here?" Like, yeah. he already he's, he's clued on from the start. What do you think overall of Nurse Ratchet? Is she's she's touted as one of the worst, vi- like the yeah, as the a biggest villain. baddest villains in as history. A terrible villain. No way. Uh, she does. She does some awful. The way she talks to Billy at the end is pretty harsh. She's doing what she knows how to do to try and control him. She obviously wants to punish these people, and some would argue, fair enough, they have broken people in, gotten wasted, destroyed, not destroyed, but torn the place up, 
like punishment is okay. They've done the wrong thing here, and they've they know they've done the wrong thing. Yeah. Like yes, they suffer from mental uh, illnesses, some of them, but. Punishment surely is okay there. And what way does she know how to punish him? By threatening the, you know, the mother will find out card. You- now, she she cannot, she cannot be, you know, you can't put the suicide on her. I get, I know they brought it up before. Like, was that the first time yeah. you tried to kill yourself? But I still don't think that's, that's on her. Do you think that she is going a bit too far? Like she's losing her power. She's on a power trip with these people, and I mean, she needs to be. She needs. Does to- she need to she be on needs- a massive power trip she- with these people? She needs to be the clear dominant force. If she loses that, then they lose their structure. So, who do you think's in the wrong here? Is it Ratchet or is it Randall? I mean, Randall's definitely in the wrong. He these are these are fragile so. people. I understand where Randall's coming from. It's not like I'm saying he's doing this to to hurt these people. He just has no idea of what he's dealing with here. He's and not a qualified professional. Yeah, exactly right. And she's trying to keep this place calm, these people safe, and you've got this loose cannon just let loose in here <laughs> <laughs> who is disrupting everyone. And yes, he does bring them joy. Okay, there's no disputing that. He takes it overboard a lot. Like He goes too like, far. Come on, bringing all the booze into the place. The and booze? And what do you think Forc- is going to happen? Forcing Billy. I mean, Billy was, uh, you know. He- into the room. Forcing Billy into the room. He was saying, you know, no, 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 no. And, you know, Randall's like, nah, come on, guys. Put him in there. Like, I know Randall thinks he's doing the right thing. I'm not disputing his, you know, where his heart's at. He obviously cares about these people a lot. And probably more than he expected ever to. But as you say, he's not a qualified medical practitioner. No, he's not. He's just someone who wants to have fun at without thinking of, you know, how this affects other people. Yeah, exactly right. So do you think what do you hold on? What do you what do you you think of Ratchet? I don't think she's as bad as what people have like said. Like you know, throwing on her. I don't even think she's a villain. Like there are lots of times where she's talking and she's making very, very solid points. Like exactly right. Randall comes in and he's like, hey, we should watch the ball game. And I'm like, oh, what? They should watch the ball game. And then she comes in with a very calm retort that makes perfect sense. Well, you're saying, you're saying like, you know, she's on a power trip here. She could just say, no, we're not doing it because I don't want you to. But she says, yeah, fair enough. But I feel Let's like- take it to a vote. And then the next day, she allows another vote. And even when after she says the meeting's adjourned, Randall gets his extra vote in chief. She says, no, that's fine. The meeting was adjourned. We'll talk about it tomorrow. But I feel like it looks like she's on more of a power trip because we're seeing it through the eyes of Randall. Every time it's like, oh, Nurse Ratchet, that bitch. Look at what she's doing. Look at what she's doing to us, yada, yada, yada. And you go, yeah, you're right, Randall. You, you, are the, you are the man here. You just want to have a good time. And she's just shutting everyone down. And she's just making sure you know that she's in control. Mm. That, you know, villain, that nasty villain. No. no I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think one of her best comebacks was when, you know, Chaswick is going on and on about the cigarettes. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, like, why? Like, what's the reason here? And she's just like, I took them off you guys because you keep gambling them and losing them to Randall. What do you want me to do? I've had to ration them because you just give them to McMurphy. Perfect. It like, makes perfect sense. You know what? Good job. Good yep. job. Yep. Ratchet. Clear it up. It's all good. I can say, we we talk about how Randall doesn't know any better. Scatman. Oh, my God. What is this guy doing? He has to know better. You do not let anyone in. And he's letting himself be bribed. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're heading in the right direction. What else? Mm. You got booze. Oh, keep going. Oh, there's girls. Oh, all right. Come in. 
No. Not cool, and Scatman. Even even when he gets away from his supervisor, which was a really cool scene, where it's like, what are you doing in here? You need to be out there. <laughs> I know. He just drinks himself to death. Like, come on. Yeah, but even when he comes out, the supervisor goes, he still doesn't actually put his foot down and call it off. It's Terrible. He knows he's done. Like, he, you see that room. It is destroyed. He, he, he cannot explain away all these. But he still has a duty of care. No, he's done. He knows he's done. Is he just like a night guard or is he a, a medical person, do you think? I think it may be a bit of both. You have to have some sort of medical profession there. Unless the supervisor is all medical and, and he's, he's just, just there to guard. guard. Yeah, that could be it. It could be. Yeah. How good how good is, is Chief when we, it reveals that he can talk <laughs> and he's all good. So, mm, juicy fruit. <laughs> it was great. It was like, thank you. And Randall's just like, did it? Did he just yeah, say it? He's just like, the double time. He, he does the second, the second juicy <laughs> Come on, fruit. Do it again. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Mmm, juicy fruit. <laughs> That's great. You son of a bitch. You got them all food. That was really good. And that, that just created that dynamic that Randall, like he only he only started speaking and doing this to Randall because he actually, I guess, gave him some attention, gave, gave him a lot of time and yeah. tried to speak to him and help. You know. That's exactly what, what happens when he goes to attack the guards and the first time, yeah. Chief comes and helps him. Yeah. Yeah. Just walks straight over and picks him up. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, Chief, Chief's good. Chief, Chief is good. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Dean. What is your favourite scene? This movie? What, what was the what was the part that uh, peaked it at its at its most peakiness? For me, uh, I probably went in thinking it could be the last scene. Not Chief walking into the forest either. <laughs> running. Um, <laughs> running. No, I thought it would be the Jack Nicholson thing. But honestly, the thing that really affected me most was the innocence of Billy being taken away. Um, and not through the sex stuff, but through him just feeling like he had no way out, yeah. seeing the effect that you know these events could have on someone, and then the the shock where where that nurse who I'm sure she has a name it, it escapes me comes out with some blood on her, and it, it dawns on you like oh my god he's killed himself yeah. like and seeing Randall just watching and everyone really just watching mm. like oh no like what what have we done that's that. Yeah, that hit me for six. That was that was fantastic. What about you, Hendo? Uh, I think that's a very solid choice, but I am going to go with Chief smothering Jack Nicholson with the pillow. Ooh. It's intense. It's crazy. The fact that uh, Randall comes back out and he's not faking it this time. Like, you know, when he comes back out the first time and he's mucking around mm. and Chief just, he thinks he's having a, having a fall. Like, yeah, okay, you're back. Yeah, that's good. And then you see, like, the scars on top, his shaved head, yeah. scars on top, and he is gone. And the look on Chief's face when he realizes he's not coming out of this. Yeah. And he knows that he's, like, he says, I'm going to take you with him. And you're not certainly thinking he's not going to actually take him. And then smothers him, kills him, because he's, like, what good is he now? Like, honestly. Whoa, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean, not, what good? Not, Are you not, saying all vegetables? Wow. All people. <laughs> Just thank you for taking that off me. I mean, what's, what's the correct term here? Like, all people in a vegetative state? It still equates them to vegetables, though. I don't know. There are people there that cannot function in that room, like Randall cannot, no yeah. longer. It's not like they should all be killed. Or is this more of that Randall is such a free spirit that Chief realises that he would not want to live a life like this? Exactly. And this is uh, to some people, or even to Chief, and maybe to the people in the in the, the room there, that Nurse Ratchet has won. Like, he can't leave... Randall with Nurse Ratchet like this because the way he said the way that Randall has set up Nurse Ratchet to these people that she is the bad girl the bad girl the bad person the villain and I think bad this, girl this, works this is the this is like her winning maybe to them so by Chief you know putting him out of his misery he didn't seem very miserable 
I mean, it definitely looked like he was. I mean, he didn't look like he had any emotion. Anyway, that's my favourite scene. I thought that was really, really intense. Thanks for bringing that back. Yeah, of course. <laughs> any last words? All right, Dean, final thoughts and a rating. I mean, this film's really, really, really good. Um, I had it previously rated at five stars. Jeez. And it will no longer be five stars. Ooh, why? Uh, I mean, why? <laughs> it's just one of those ones where it's just not it's just, five stars it's, anymore. It's, yeah, I don't feel like, you know, this is a five star for me. Um, it definitely has, you know, it's definitely a very impactful film. Performances are great. It is the iconic, you know, mental institution film. It's just, it's just a really good four and a half star film for me now. Um, and it just doesn't hit that 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 five star like I like I had hoped it would. Still, what about you, Hendo? Can I just deep fake my face onto you and just replay what you just said? Because I said it perfectly. <laughs> you did. I was I was exactly the same. I had this at five stars, like, and I honestly hadn't seen this in at least fifteen years. And well, went went onto Letterbox, and when I did all my my ratings back in, I think it was twenty fifteen. I'd put this at five stars mm. and I hadn't watched it, you know, until today. And don't get me wrong, it's it's a very, very, very good film. Great acting performances, a really engaging script that you just get really involved in and a really intriguing, touching, harsh ending that you can have a decent conversation with about these about these characters and the way things go. But it's a four and a half star film. That's how it is. It's not a bad thing. I know four and a half is awesome. Like, like wow, four and a half. Oh, mate, this is a four and a half star film. You such, thought I was going to give it such three? an awesome four film. and a half. Ah, uh, definitely a big, big film. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest going to sit on your rankings of one hundred films? All right. Well, looking at my four and a half star films here, Hendo. Uh, let's let's throw a dart at. Uh, what have we got? Reservoir Dogs, I think, is my highest ranked. Four and a half. And I don't think it's as good as Reservoir Dogs. Uh, In the Mood for Love. What a film. Gotta miss that. Uh, Yeah, In the Mood for Love is better than it. Cinema Paradiso is better than it. The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. That one's a bit tougher. Wizard of Oz versus Cuckoo. Ah, I'm going to take Wizard of Oz. No Country for Old Men. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think No Country for Old Men is better. Next up, what do we got? The Two Towers. You know what? That's where it's going to stop. I think One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is better than Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. So, it will be my new number 37 out of 100 endo. Okay. Let's see how I go here. I'll also start at the top of my four and a half star list. Let's start at number 35 with The Fellowship of the Ring. And I think that is better than Cuckoo's Nest. Move on to The Hunt, which I think that is also better than Cuckoo's Nest. Old Boy is next. And we're going to keep going a bit further down here. Groundhog Day at 38. I think Groundhog Day is better. Once Upon a Time in the West at number 39. And I think that is better than Cuckoo's Nest. We get to Prisoners at number 40. And I think that is where it is going to stop. So, One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest is my new number 40 out of 101 films off the IMDb Top 250 list. Very good, Hendo. So, pretty pretty close in our rankings here. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty close. Great to finally watch it, Dean. It is great to finally watch it again, Hendo. Yeah, and it's great to be back doing top 250 films, isn't it, Dean? Oh, how good is this? It is. But let's see what the uh, the patrons think. We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this oh. could be it. Oh! Yeah, we did ask the patrons to put in their reviews 
months and months and months and months and months ago. So we had to uh, so we have all the way back. Months and months <laughs> worth of reviews. We don't, unfortunately. The first one here we've got is Chris from the Rough House podcast, who says it amazes me how stacked this cast is. Of course, Nicholson is great, but I feel like Duraf, despite an Oscar nod, doesn't get the love he deserves in retrospect for his work as Billy Bibbitt here. Absolutely outstanding. Four and a half stars. Great. Nice. Very good, Chris. But of course, we got. You know, it's interesting. In these reviews, I sort of feel the need to chronicle my historical experience with each movie. If it's a first time watch, that's where I'm going to be the most fresh and be able to point out the positives and negatives as they rawly affected me in the present day. With a lot of films though, I saw them somewhere before the age of 18 and Cuckoo's Nest is one of them. While I tended to underrate a lot of films I first saw in my teen years, I do remember I gave a strong rating for Cuckoo's Nest right off the bat. Four and a half stars, I believe. I mean, you can't argue with it. The film is pretty much flawless. And as I was watching it today, what stood out for me the most was how fast it went by and how there were just no dull moments. There's always something going on in this movie. Maybe it's that the dialogue and the conversations between the characters are so strong that the film just never drops off at all. Every scene is eventful. Every scene has importance. I think I love this movie. The characters are so damn good. The story is unforgettable. You know, it's just a true tragedy with, you know, a lot of powerful moments. The villain, Nurse Ratchet, appears on on so many greatest villains of all time lists. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, this is just a normal woman doing her job. She's not so unreasonable. You know, she's very patient with Murphy and his antics. It's only at the end, with the stuff that you can't see... What happens to Murphy, the implications of what went on behind closed doors, it makes me question my interpretation of her character from the beginning. Jack Nicholson is fantastic. So easy to watch and and so funny too. I just love that scene where he pretends there's baseball on the TV. Probably, well, it's up there as one of his best performances. Currently, this isn't on my favourite films list, but I'm changing that today. It's a damn entertaining film. Five stars for Cuckoo's Nest. Wow, five stars, Shane, hey? Very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he made a lot of a lot of strong points in that review, I must say. He did. Yeah. It's not always we say that to uh, the Shane <laughs> reviews. <laughs> nah, very good. Thank you, brother Shane. So, what's next? All right, Dean, usually in our schedule, we would have a Pod v Pod coming up next. But, you know, schedules change. Things change. You know they do. Yes. What, what What are you trying to say, Hender? I mean, we've we've gone with uh, dropping off the breakdown into a review, and we're also dropping something else because Pod v Pod it has to go. It has to go, Dean. We're sorry, other podcasters who yes. are keen to get on and battle other podcasts, <laughs> but it's just hard at the moment with you know us our schedules. We just can't. It, it's hard. It's hard enough to get us to schedule a Pod v Pod together let alone a Pod v Pod with one other contestant, yeah. let alone a Pod v Pod with two other contestants. Mm. And when you're trying to get, you know, someone, two different people from around the world, three different, like, continents from around the world, man, it is a struggle. And it's just, uh, it's it gets it's going to get to the point where we may not get one done in time for the schedule to continue. So we, ju- we just want to make sure we've got some consistent content that we can control being produced. And when we're only relying on... Us too. Yes. Then it's it's more likely you get some you know some content each week. Absolutely. So as a great man once said, it is time. As a great monkey once said, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So 
obviously massive apologies to everyone who was uh, in contention for the Pod v Pod tournament that we've had to scrap after two rounds. These things, these things happen. I mean, you know, we went through the, the lockdown and everything just changed. It's just how it is. In saying that, we still have content coming up. We will be doing the Top 250 review every fortnight. In between that, though, we are doing another movie on YouTube for our reaction. That review will take its place for the Pod v Pod, so it will be a, a condensed version. As well as on that episode, we will also be putting in generally what else we've been watching. Not every single thing we've been watching like we used to. Definitely we don't need not. to be talking about random Netflix, you know, garbage film or stupid kids film that we saw because, the, the you know, the children made us do it. Mostly focused on big films, new release, yeah. those sort of things. Capping off with the main review of the movie that we'll be doing a reaction to on YouTube. So I'm saying that for next week, we have a patron requested reaction coming up. And we got all of our platinum and diamond level patrons to pick a film that they wanted us to react to. We put a poll out on Patreon. And the winner of that film was Mr. Chris Beardsall with his choice of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, which surprised me. I thought, you know, people would go for a Christmassy themed film. Yeah, I think uh, Home Alone and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation were quite close behind. But, but I guess no one can deny the star power that is Ocean's Eleven. That's right. So and we I'm were, not unhappy about it, Hendo. I mean, I would, would not have been unhappy with any of the choices that were up and available, but that's for next week. So thank you very much, everyone, for checking out this episode. We'll be back next week with a lot of other things we've watched, plus our review of Ocean's Eleven. Bye.